So how do you usually do this? Do you play excerpts from the, like when you cut the whole thing? I haven't checked it out just usually, yet. Usually, yeah, like usually we cut in a minute uh, here and there. Like every 10 minutes I throw in a minute clip. Uh -huh. Since we've done the album before, I probably won't cut any in unless there's something where you're like, I don't think people are familiar enough with this bit. Maybe they should hear it, in which case I probably would just throw it in there. Right. Um, okay. But yeah, usually. Let's see. Um, make sure I just have it here on this no, phone. of course. Yeah, I thought I had a recording of it I could send you, but I couldn't find it. So, in case, because um, some people just don't have them. They've got they've got the al album memorized, or don't realize they haven't heard it in twenty years. You know, right? It happens. I'm gonna make sure it's just. I'm just gonna make sure it's right in front of me. Sure. How long have you been out here? Uh, eleven years. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So from upstate. To from here. upstate, then I lived in Chicago for two years, and then here Chicago to finish up college and what'd you study in school film yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah. cool which is why I'm doing a podcast doesn't pay me I think uh, <laughs> you know film degree I'm sure you're not alone um, yeah. it's kind of like making a film just an audio version sure. it's an audio documentary mm-hmm very long now a hundred <laughs> and some hours long audio documentary yeah there you go um, and do you um, I know you told me about some other people that you asked about, but mm -hmm. but what's your fascination with the whole? Um, you like to see where other people got their influences, mm -hmm. or is that what it is, or yeah. just, or are you a vinyl nerd both. who also you're both? Okay, a little bit of both, but I mean I only collect comedy vinyl. Okay, um, just because honestly I can't afford music vinyl and I don't have the taste. I, yeah. I like what I like. You know, Queen and XTC are about the only two things I have on vinyl, and that'll be it. Yeah, that's cool. You know, and beyond that, I know my comedy better, and it's it's easier for me to... I, I, it's easier to buy, you know, a 20, 50-cent comedy albums than it is to buy 20, 50-cent record, you know, music albums, because they sound like shit. Well, and do you do comedy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so what do you do? You stand up and... No, I mostly write. Yeah? Yeah. Like a scripted, mm -hmm. like a screenplay. Do a little bit of improv, all that. A little good improv, stuff, okay. Yes. What do you do improv? Uh, mostly filmed, mostly on camera. Uh, but uh, okay. I, you know, like each month I do this show called a drinking game where I act. We do an '80s movie. We do a stage reading of an '80s movie. Okay. And we drink audience drinks. Okay. It's a little silly, but it sells out every month somehow. So. Right. Yeah. Audience has fun. They, oh yeah. They, and it I sells just, out. That's great. What I, do you What do you do it? Uh, usually. Usually we were doing it in Hollywood for the last three years. Now we're doing it in North Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Next month is actually going to be in this neighborhood because we need a bigger theater because we're doing Big Lebowski, even though it's not an 80s movie. Right. Um, we just did Goonies the other day. I was Mama Fratelli, of all people. So that was fun. Great character. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, what else? What other questions do I have? When you find old comedy vinyl, mm -hmm. sounds like I'm starting a podcast. No, it's here. good. I like it. But um, I'm already recording, so it's okay. Do you... Uh, do you find stuff just uh, aside from stand-up stuff? It's got to be, mm -hmm. you have to have, like, sketch stuff. You have to, like, Cheech and Chong and Real, shit like that. Of course. That. Cheech and, and Chong's the reason I started this. Really? Isn't that and Weird Al. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And then, um, what about comedy interviews? Do you get a lot of that stuff on vinyl? Can you, know you find what? any of that? I haven't been able to find them, but I know this guy who um, <clears throat> who restores albums out of his own pocket, sort of for fun and just for so that people can find them. Mm -hmm. um, and he has 
these two albums one album that was released in conjunction with Steve Martin's Wild and, Wild and, Wild and Crazy Guy mm. the other one was released in conjunction with the soundtrack to Life of Brian and it's mm. bits from the album but kind of podcast style they were radio interviews <clears> okay <throat> right yeah because I know great. they do that with, with records because they'll do like mm-hmm. an import where they'll do like a single then they'll have a band interview on like a picture yeah, disc right so you get, and that'll be in Japan, and they'll mm-hmm. press that there or something. Like, Queen will have for, those, you know, yeah, and yeah, Jethro yeah. Tull and a bunch of classic. I've just found them a lot harder to get for comedy. Yeah, <clears throat> a lot. <clears throat> Jesus, man, a lot harder. So, well, do you listen to? Uh, um, did you do you listen to the the on comedy? Um, what is it? The catalog of interviews. It's all on CD because I think. Oh yeah, yeah. With I Miles, have the Woody uh, Allen one. I think there's a Woody Allen. There's there's a lot of really, really good, good stuff. Yeah. There's Woody Allen. There's Seinfeld. There's mm-hmm. um. Um. Carlin must have done one, right? George Carlin, um, Johnny Carson, mm-hmm. uh, everybody from uh, everybody. Yeah. Uh, not, oh, uh, Jack Benny does one. Yeah. Milton Berle does one. So it's like super way back deep in the delta comedy mm-hmm. yeah you know? i love that show like old stuff but uh but it's it's a fun thing but i i would I, that's what i was wondering is cuz i was actually i'm considering all this all that stuff mm-hmm. and a comedy interviewer for this project that i'm doing oh okay and 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 i and i'm an, i'm a nerd for that for like certain stuff but i i wonder if if almost like a microfiche if you were starting out doing comedy mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to hear everything all of your favorite comics have to say about you it. You would think so. Yeah, and where and where could you find that? And some sometimes right. it doesn't exist, and that's why that Larry Wild guy, who's the on comedy person, mm-hmm. he's this nerd who you can you can tell from the course of these all these interviews that he's been dabbling in stand up, and he just there's yeah. something about him that just doesn't fucking get it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> you know no, I mean? that's which is great because uh-huh. he's experimenting and he really wants to know what the fucking what the secret is. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And that's what the premise of this whole project is that I'm working on. Oh, that's awesome. The and secret They're, they're kind of yeah. greatly paid off for... I mean, Judd Apatow was doing that when he was like 16. A lot of people do. But he was 16. <laughs> well, you know, myself and um, Eugene Merman, do you know him? Oh, yeah. And uh, a guy named Patrick Burley, who's a writer on Fallon now. But the three of us worked at a newspaper, too, and, we'd, and we would kind of kind of do what you and your buddy was like gang up on somebody and, and listen mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and we did it with uh sometimes they got to go do some and sometimes i didn't really want to be a journalist but i wanted to hear what these guys have to say so i just kind of butt in on an interview here and there but um but eugene did that too he would go and talk to people who have done more and yeah. they're and have had more time on earth to do stuff and you learn this shit, and it's somewhat inspiring. And then also you find out how they fucked up, or course, yeah. all kinds of cool stuff. But it's really a, it's part of the learning process is the interview, you know, mm-hmm. the teacher student of it. But yeah, okay, that's why I ask. You, uh, we might as well get into it. Sure. I, have Brendan Small here. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, I live s- here. It's, it's hard yeah, for me to not be here. Yeah. Damn it. See, nobody, you, you just ruined the illusion. Did I? What happened. Yeah. Well. But <laughs> I live at your, I live at your studio. <laughs> yeah. um, nobody else has picked uh, um, Let's Get Small for some reason. That's strange. I, I think people avoid it because I think some people are like, well, everybody's done this. Well, no, really. We That's only what I think. Once, yeah. You know? Well, or maybe I'm older than everybody, too, which is possible. Well, maybe. You That's may possible. be interviewing a younger group of stock of people. Sometimes I, yeah. I I try and avoid it when people are just like when their only influence is Adam Sandler. I can't really I can't talk to it, and I can only talk about his albums so much. 
And not to oh, crap right. on Adam Sandler, but I grew up on vinyl, even though that was know. still vinyl. The vinyl switchover did, did still he have, Did he have a vinyl? See, that's, that's no. I would have to imagine. I don't know if vinyl was as popular. Right. No. no but you know what? Maybe he, he didn't have a vinyl. Uh, maybe people weren't printing vinyl anymore because it, it was right. early mid '90s when his first record came out. I yeah, think. I think so. Um, I would imagine a guy that likes music as much as he does would want to have a vinyl pressed. You would think so. Yeah. But and it's his. Who knows? Stuff, but no one was buying it back then. It was. Right. It hadn't come back. Right. You know, like it. Like it hasn't now. And it was at that point not cost effective to even bother. I'm assuming. You know, right. You know. Well, now, nowadays, I print vinyl of death metal records sure. yeah. because that is a collector's item. Mm-hmm. You know, and then if you have, if you've got a good record player, then then uh, it'll sound pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, that's I will still collect a new comedy album on vinyl here and there if I can. I'm still, mm-hmm. like I said, mostly don't care about the sound. But then again, what you're doing right. <laughs> is music too, and that that's right. Like, that's when I get torn. Right. Well, I have now. I'm I'm uh I have a really good record player now. Mm-hmm. And um it changes everything. If you have like one of these new mark things with the like I have I'm pointing at one right now, it's mm-hmm. in my studio. It's the exact same one that's sitting in my apartment. That one, yeah. Uh-huh. It's not a great one. No. <laughs> it's not a great one. It will make the sounds. Sure. But when you when you graduate from that to like a really good expensive mm-hmm. one, um it's all you you all of a sudden it's at one point a buddy of mine named Paul Green uh, said it's like having sex without a condom that's what it sounds like that's what music should sound like yeah. you know yeah um, but that was the best way I heard it because you can't describe it there's warmth to it there's this mm-hmm. there's this high fidelity in music alone in comedy sure. voices you will hear a certain you will hear like a different kind of compression on the on the microphones with mm-hmm. the audience or a certain kind of like distortion that only happens with analog right nerd shit yeah. but um but yeah anyway I've already gone on too long and then one, the other problem is that this doesn't do 78s, which bugs the fuck Oh, it doesn't. I guess <laughs> I've never tried a 78 on that. Yeah. Um, so when did you first hear Let's Get Small? Well, luckily, see, I grew up in the, in the, I was born in 75, and my parents were probably thriving in the 70s as far as, like, being grown-ups before children ruined their lives. Sure, yeah. So oh. they had, they had a pretty good collection of music, thank God, and they had a, a pretty good m- movie taste, thank God. And um, the other thing was they had a few comedy albums. So they had like a Bill Cosby. Um, they had uh, they they did have Let's Get Small, and that was it. Those were the two yeah. comedy records. And that's also all you could really get comedy wise if yeah. you're a kid in the suburbs. You're pretty much getting Cosby, or um, if you don't have a cooler older sibling. Uh-huh. I have a I have an older sister, but she did, was not hip to cool shit. She okay. didn't she didn't know about Cheech and Chong and dirty shit and stuff like that. Right, right, right. So, but but for some reason Steve Martin made his way into our our home that and SNL. Yeah. And so that one I listened to and I love the cover because because uh, that's a big part about records is mm-hmm. that it's the album art that really gets you enticed by to, to buy it or to listen to it or wherever it is from. From great classic rock to um, to comedy, I think. Mm-hmm. And he looks so stupid on the cover of that thing because he's wearing the fake nose and he has the balloons on his head. And uh, I don't know if on that one, but I know in the fold-out of that one, he is um, he's holding an electric guitar, which mm-hmm. is like an old... Jeez, i got to find that image so I can describe the guitar possibly. Uh, properly, rather. Um, let me see if I can find that. Bear with me, you can edit no, this that's, out. No, that's fine, but... Uh... That, that is one thing we talk about, but some, some people resist talking too nostalgically about 
having the comedy album in your hand, but that's a big thing for me anyway. Yeah, it's, it gives I mean, you this snapshot. If you've never seen Steve Martin before, while I understand the appeal of radio, this is a thing to have. Where you, you 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 have a point to start at. You're like, oh, this is what right. this dipshit looks like, and you get to hear him, and the imagination gets to run wild. Right. So, okay. So, I think I'm wrong. I think that was a different record. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait. Let me see. It that was... might have been. That could have been Wild and Crazy Guy, because Wild and Crazy Guy is a lot of. Because there was a there's a big bit in the when he did the King Tut on. Stage. That was it. So that was it. That was the one I was mixing up with that. And he okay. does have an electric guitar. It looks like some weird old Ibanez or some SG mm-hmm. kind of thing, and it doesn't show the headstock in the picture I'm looking at. Anyway, um, that one's where he's smoking a bunch of cigarettes and they're all broken. That's right. right so that's right. the inside of Let's Get Small. But. Um, but yeah, just holding the art in your hand, that's that's a cool thing. And then you get to read about whatever it is that's on the inside. And I think and comedians will thank a few people, and usually they use a microphone, so they don't have too much. It's not like a musician where they have to thank the amp companies and the guitars right. and all, right. and the 18 people that move their equipment on and off stage, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's usually pretty clean and just about what the guy looks like who's making us laugh. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, but that one that one just floated around for a long time in, in my... Uh, in my home, and I definitely spent a lot of time uh, listening to it. Was there, I mean, did you sit and listen to it on your own? Was it with your family? What was the... I would listen to it probably with my brother and sister, because my parents had already listened to it. I don't think they were going to just keep on revisiting it. Mm-hmm. So I would listen to it with them, or if I had a friend over, mm-hmm. I would listen to it. Um, and then uh, I think you just start memorizing bits, and then you go to school, and I think you start... Uh, like you find one of the like-minded people who knows the other half of the bit, and then yeah. your friends. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Did you did you have any friends like that that you made and then kept because of comedy, and then kept rediscovering stuff with each other? Or yeah, and and that ended up being kind of much later. I think right around twelve to my teen years, which is when I think you start developing. Something important happens during adolescence, as far as I'm concerned. I think you start developing a point of view. Mm-hmm. And the way you do it is, I think, through your first through your comedy, because that's accessible. You can watch sure. SNL and go, you know what, I like this sketch. I didn't like that. That was predictable. You start developing this very carved out point of view, or you like everything, or you don't sure. care about anything, or you're very, very, like, you turn into this comedy snob, which means you're going <laughs> to become a writer at some point. Right. And going, mm, you know, they could have fixed that by doing that. You start getting into, like... <laughs> And then you start writing your own sketches based on the characters they have and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. The other part that happens is around, I think, like a couple of years later, maybe around 14 or so for me, you start developing your musical identity, which means you go spend money on your own records and yeah. stuff too, which is a, a huge part because people are like, well, what do you listen to? I like I like Metallica. And then people are scared. I'm like, that's right, motherfucker. You get scared because I'm, I'm scary now. I've made that decision this week, you know? <laughs> But um, hard to do that with comedy. It's hard to do that with comedy unless there's like some weird, scary person who could potentially hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like you know I remember Sam Kennison was coming out and yeah. people were like this guy is talking about coming on ladies' backs and just like weird shit and uh, and uh, this isn't for your this isn't for your mom or your sister to yeah. listen to you know this is this is really dark this is about a dark weird man who's going through some shit. Um, but uh, but around. Uh, 11, 12 years old, I met a friend of mine, and he really introduced me to music, and he also really liked comedy a lot, and we're still friends to this day, Mm -hmm. and he was the one that kind of taught me my first chords on guitar, and we would sit there and talk Steve Martin, we'd watch the Homage to Steve special, Uh and like, uh, 
and all that stuff. And um, which is a lot of that stuff is kind of repeated in this special too. It, it kind yeah. of floats around from, mm-hmm. on a couple different records. But um, but yeah, that was a big. It was just like a Steve Martin impression that we would do, mm-hmm. you know, because he would he'd float in and out of two or three different characters, like a really quiet guy who would just kind of talk to the audience, right? And then the big crazy guy, and then so he'd like, uh, but it was easy to do imitations of of him. Yeah, and that was, and then he and I were blown away because we were both excited about guitar. The other huge thing, and one of the reasons I picked this record, was that he does play banjo on it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I'm just kind of just think remembering his whole early career where when he did pull out the banjo and he really started playing yeah um like foggy mountain breakdown i think is what he plays <laughs> which yep. is like a really difficult to play yes. yeah. song and it's uh he's he's a virtuoso he put the time in you know mm-hmm. so that's another reason that uh that that this record because you know virtue virtuosity and and making someone laugh and all that stuff is really that's that's exciting to me and it always yeah. has been for some reason i've gravitated i've gravitated around those kinds of comedians yeah yeah well no and i'm finding my th- that with myself as well i mean I, i've been a fan of yours since home movies not knowing i don't think at the time that you were the musician that was you did and that right. you are the musician that you are either i had no idea at the time right right i just gave a fuck about home movies i'm like this is hilarious and then you know more recently i've you know obviously known about Metalocalypse right. and uh, guys like Dave Hill who are doing comedy and also shredding. Um, right. Like I, is it, what is it fulfilling in you to do that? Like, I, well, for, um, what is it fulfilling? I don't know. It's a different part of your brain that gets yeah. to get exercise. It's very different from um, the art of joke construction mm-hmm. or scripts construct or character stuff. It's totally different. And it's the kind of thing that you don't need an audience for in order to kind of nail down and get right. Yeah. Because if you do stand-up or if you do anything uh, live in front of people, you realize that you got you have no idea if it's going to really work. I mean, you can mm-hmm. you can be really confident and go, I have a pretty good idea that I, this sure. bit's going to do really well. Yeah. And then there are times where you're like, I have no idea if this is going to work. If I have the balls to, to complete this, uh-huh. I, I will probably get rewarded on the other side. And then oftentimes you're wrong about everything, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, if you keep on taking chances, that is, you know, if, you're, mm-hmm. if you don't just sit in the same piece of material and die there. Yeah. Um, but uh, music, I think you can kind of nail down and, and get together because you're the audience for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting you know, in a studio with all this stuff and I record all the time and I make music for TV and I make records and all that stuff now. And before it gets to the audience, I have a pretty good idea of of what's going to work and how that's going to perform either live or on a record or whatever it is and which song I think is going to become more popular than others just right. because I can hear it. You know? yeah. I'm sitting here and my ears are pointed towards the speakers and I can hear it. You yeah. Know? Whereas, uh, yeah that, you lose objectivity as a comedian because right. the, what you're asking when you're trying out a joke in front of a group of people is, is this, um, is this funny or am I completely out of my mind or if I, have I not slept enough or have I had too much coffee or what is the problem here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what you want to know because you don't know. And, and there's so many little tiny things that you don't know if you've set up yourself enough to make you relatable to a person in this particular instance. Do you think, I mean, and then the, the other aspect of course is personality where you could be a, a technically perfect guitar player right. and still blow everybody away and they'd be satisfied I think right I mean right. a lot of people say that about Rush they, you, they, right. they, they love only the technical perfection of it right. and whereas comedy 
you have to have it's all personality it's all what you're beaming yeah that's true i mean there are some people who are kind of like suvan so i think mm-hmm. who uh you know can order put a words in an order and then yes. say them in a fucking complete like icy deadpan and yeah. then make it completely like i have no heart or soul but i'm making you laugh like crazy yes. and i don't give a shit about that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know there is that and you know in music you know uh even the great technical guys who have become great over the years, or we know them as great, there's something underneath their technique. There's something they have a they have a soul and a heart underneath there that's that's pulsing, and it just it just so happens in that particular style, they're adorning these twists and turns with many ornaments, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's exciting. Sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it's great to hear you know Albert King squawk through a guitar solo and miss a note it sounds fucking awesome right right, yeah though he doesn't miss notes (laughs) but it would be okay right yeah is it i mean is it more satisfying to you to know that you've got i mean musically obviously you have to have it nailed but i i I guess i just wonder knowing that you've got this thing i won't say you know you're not telling yourself i'm the best thing in the world but to have something pretty much mastered i mean to have that like just that it flows out of you i oh something i can't relate to right well it's it's the thing is the way i look at music and my relationship with playing music Mm -hmm. is that it's this amorphous blob and some days you got it and some days you don't and you have to kind of talk yourself into it every day it's like the movie memento to me Mm -hmm. where like i I wake up and I've got a guitar in my lap and I'm like, what are you? What is this thing doing here? I have to, and I have to retalk my hands in at, into playing guitar every day, yeah. you know. So I have to go right, and then if you, you're 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 always about three little steps away from a mistake mm-hmm. almost in anything in life. Mm-hmm. But with guitar, you have to really be concentrating as hard as you can, and that's what you learn as a guitarist: is sitting in a room and concentrating as hard as you can and saying, "Hey, finger, go over there and don't go over here." Okay, mm-hmm. I. I just told you don't go over there. Go over. Okay, now I'm gonna really. Pay, I'm gonna think as hard as I can until I get tired. Uh-huh. Trying to correct this stupid mistake, and that's what a lot of the technical stuff is. It just yeah. meant that you didn't have a girlfriend for a really long amount of time. Sure. And it's very true. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to other guitarists who I think are really great in the world of rock and roll and metal, and they've given me some very nice guitar compliments over the years. And the one that makes made the most sense to me was one guy I was listening to my guitar playing. I was playing him like a little piece of music. It's like something that was pre-recorded. And he nodded his head and he said, yeah, it sounds like you put the time in. Yeah. Which is what he said. Which yeah. was like, that's the compliment you want to get as a guitarist. Yeah. You're not magical. You, you're, it's not in your blood. You worked for it. Yep. You yeah. know, you worked really hard. You put mm-hmm. the time in and that's what it is. You put the hours in and yeah. that's what you need to do. I mean, anybody can do it. They just need to find those hours somewhere. Right. And, uh, put them aside it's nice when music is treated like a craft i don't see that happen with comedy though because there's ego so much ego to stroke it's it's different it depends who you're talking to i think because there are some people who really they're they're like three different camps Mm -hmm. they're the people who are like i don't know what i'm doing i just go up there and i do it yeah it's like that guy and i don't get that guy yeah then there are the people who want to remind you how hard comedy is (laughs) yeah it's like Jerry Lewis. Uh-huh. It's like, we, there's pain, there's always pain, and there was, we we had no toilet paper, only o- orange peels, which is what he says in an interview at some point. And I was like, okay, that may be true. What do you have to tell, what do I need to know that shit? <laughs> Not know. You know what I mean? And then you've got the guys who I think, I like, I really like listening to Seinfeld and Chris Rock, mm-hmm. and those guys talk, because they romanticize comedy. For sure. Which is really cool. Yeah. Because they're they're talking about this 
this magic that they have that isn't magic, that is craftsmanship driven. Mm-hmm. Chris Rock is a craftsman. Yeah. Seinfeld is a craftsman too. Louis C.K. is a craftsman, oh, though yeah. his craft is a lot more difficult to kind of uproot and start pulling apart and looking at because yeah. he's got such an internal way of thinking, mm-hmm. from, even from those super old days. Yeah. But, um, but those guys, um, and I think Steve Martin is a craftsman too in many different ways because he's got that music thing where he's got things completely nailed down and to a T. Yeah. So he knows exactly, because he's wearing these, you've got all these intricate moving parts on the banjo. Yeah. You've got these pieces of metal stuck to your fingers and you're, and you're, if you're off like a fraction of a centimeter, it's just not going to play right with your right. right hand. Your left hand has to know exactly. You have to bend notes just a little bit. You have to pull them off. Mm-hmm. You have to not look. You have to see what's going on over there. You have to memorize the shape of the thing underneath your hand, how it feels yeah. in case the lights go off. But I think with his physicality, I think he works stuff out. Mm-hmm. I think he probably leaves room like any great artist does for anything to happen. And you, you yeah. see that happen in his live stuff back in the day. Mm-hmm. But... um but he's a real craftsman. He really cares about where the words go, and you see that from his writing, Definitely. from like back the, in the old New Yorker pieces or like Cruel Shoes. I don't know if you ever read <laughs> yes. that. Yeah. Um, which is really great and just absurdist and fantastic and just goofy and silly and likable and stupid. Yeah. You know. But um. But yeah. I've always actually wondered about him as a writer too. Is exactly what we're talking about is that there is that you get the the test of the audience uh yeah. you get to go up there but as a writer again it's different as a musician you're your own audience he's had that i mean he was playing banjo from i don't remember how old he said you know, yeah teens and yeah, he was a kid yeah but then to, to write i mean i know i know this from experience you have no fucking audience so you've got two choices yeah usually or at least when you're starting out it's either to hate everything you do or to love everything you do right you know and so i do wonder like how he works as a you know how he tests shit out I, well there's there's i mean um i think i've also noticed if you're sitting especially in animation from metal Lips to home movies there's a lot of manipulation you can do after the writing, after the acting, after all that shit to really put stuff in place, which is mm-hmm. through editing and tricks and sounds and all kinds of shit. Like, just th- a bag of just unfair tricks, you know, that you could never use live. Mm-hmm. Though, I mean, it, actually, you could if you if you wanted to. But to really manipulate people with music, to really manipulate them with sound effects, to truncate someone's dialogue and say fuck it I don't need that anymore if we mm-hmm. just go to that thing actually I don't need the dialogue at all if I, what if I just have them not say anything and I just look at, we just watch this joke eat shit in front of this character now it's fucking funny again <laughs> but there are a lot of things you can do mm-hmm. um, but again when it's your voice connecting to an audience you do have material but it is you know ultimately it, it's about that guy's ass on stage living or dying yeah I actually, uh, I, will, I should send you a link to the uh, the interview that I was talking about, about um, Wild and Crazy Guy. I don't know how well you know that album, but yeah. he talks about exactly that, just being like, this joke just just was eating shit, and he's like, I just just move these two words around, and it's a, everybody loves it now. Like, that's and he, that's, that's he like the, the uh, those are the weirdest things that I, every comic sits there wishing, they're like, oh, right, those two words need to be flipped around. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's that's funny to hear those stories because you never know where they they are and that's why comedy is exciting and interesting yeah. and that not everybody does it is because it's like how I kind of view my relationship with the guitars you know sometimes I got it sometimes I don't sometimes I'm funny sometimes I'm not so funny right. uh, when I'm good I can get pretty good laughs when I'm not so good you may not want to be there mm-hmm. <laughs> when it happens it gets right. really ugly you know mm-hmm. but um, going back to 
there's what I think are the three types of people talking about comedy. I'm trying to remember what what started that that question. What was that question? I'm wondering if I even got to my point because I do think I'm. I, at least that's how I categorize people who talk about comedy. Mm-hmm. The people who don't know how they do it. Right. Don't sit. Oh, I think that's like how David Cross is. He's like, yeah, shit's just funny. And then like I think Bob Odenkirk's like, no, no, no. You have to study Monty Python. You have to study this. Right. To, and then um, when I knew other people like Brian Posehn who I think is just a fucking funny guy who yeah. has a really strong understanding of words and his physical being and mm-hmm. all that stuff that comes out on stage. And when I see him do comedy, he's really funny for all those reasons. And he really cares about comedy. But he doesn't sit there. Like, I nerd out about certain lines and movies yes. and get uh, jealous and upset in the most fantastic way possible mm-hmm. when I hear something. I'm like, isn't that the best line that you've ever heard? Uh-huh. And uh, which is... I think the same thing about guitar. I think it's about hammering something out until it's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? But you, I, is it different, though, for you as far as comedy? Because, I mean, you can hear when a note's wrong pretty quickly. You really can. There's something that happens with a... That's, I mean, when I, I talk to... Because when I talk... I do, like, columns for guitars, things okay. now, and, I, uh, and I'm going out this summer to teach with the School of Rock kids awesome. on, like, a thing, which will be really fun, but... The main thing I can say is that, you know, you've got two hands, it's your left hand or your right hand's fault. Like, they're not mm-hmm. they're not getting along and they need to be separated, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And you have to sit there and hang out with this one for a while and calm them down and go, hey, listen, so fuck that other hand, you know? <laughs> you have to really just, con- don't worry about what they're doing, you have to worry about what you're doing, you right. know? Yeah. I know they get to hang out outside, but you have to stay indoors and, and study. Yeah. So you have to really do all that stuff. Plus, if you record yourself... Mm-hmm. You can hear more mistakes than you can because you can trick yourself. You can kind of glaze over and lose your mind and start playing something. Going, yeah, I'm pretty much doing it. And you'll start <laughs> watching TV or start going online or whatever it is. But once you start recording yourself, you hear the, it's like the caricature drawing you don't want to see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it exaggerates all the bad features that you don't, you don't wish to see. Mm-hmm. That's what recording yourself does. And that makes you a great musician if you're up for that challenge. Mm-hmm. It's like going up after bombing. You know, after yeah. you like ate shit and you go, well, obviously I'm no good at comedy. No, 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 no. No, you keep going up there. Uh-huh. I do? Yeah, you keep going up there. <laughs> and then you get good. Or you, and, and if you want it, it's sitting there. That's what I think comedy is, too. Yeah. It's just like music. I really think if you got a sense of rhythm, either in music or comedy, and you give a fuck, like you really give a shit, you will figure it out. Yeah. yeah. It may take you a really long time, but you will figure it out. Right. You know, and you will become an artist at some point. Yeah. I, I, and I, you know, it is one thing to talk about the rhythm of comedy, and it's something that I will, I will nerd out about and why this was said perfectly, and again, word choice and all that stuff. Right. But I, um, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why it works as well with comedy as it does because it's it's not uncommon for a comedian to be a musician for Mel Brooks is a classic example drummer right. he was a drummer in, right. I think, during World War Two and he's always talks about not just the rim shot but but da 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 you know that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's this is how I speak this is how I tell a joke right. it's obviously obvious that not everybody's rhythm is the same but um, I I just I don't know why it works it's one thing that people don't talk about well there's there's a musicality in in stand up not just rhythmically because mm-hmm. you can go fast you can go really slow you can sl- you can just shift tempos like crazy and i notice more not when i talk as myself but when i do character stuff either on stage or in tv shows if i change my rhythm like crazy mm-hmm. i go fast to slow or contradict someone else if I, especially in dialogue if i'm contradicting somebody's 
rhythm either going faster than them or just yeah. pulling it backward to a place where they're just fucking hate that I'm taking so long to say something. That adds a new layer of comedy. Yeah. And then there's something else that if you go back, it's... I remember, uh, I think Eugene and I, we were sitting there, because we were like both 21 or 22 at the time, and we were roommates back in Boston. Mm -hmm. And we were, um, we'd go out and watch comedy, and we'd see people like Anthony Clark, or, uh, and then we'd go home and listen to like Emo Phillips records or whatever, mm -hmm. and we were just always just kind of around comedy and studying it, and just trying to figure something out that we didn't know before. And, and these guys that were doing well had a musicality, um, almost like a contour. Like, they would talk like this, and then they would end down yep. here. And yep. now Eugene's adapted that into his kind of Definitely, speaking, too. Yeah. Um, even, like, Bill Cosby will do this. <laughs> like, he'll just twist these notes around. Yeah. And then he'll also keep... His rhythm is... He will keep you in a story by saying, Now! <laughs> yeah. I went... And you're going, yes, where you went, where, where'd you go, where'd you go? And you go, to the store, before I, I was stopped, you know, and he'll just start talking, and he'll, the way that he gets this, I've watched him perform live, and I see that he's got oh, a couple thousand people just hanging on his every word, and this is like a half hour long, long form story about like a first date or whatever it was, mm -hmm. but he had us in the palm of his hands as a storyteller and it's because he had a musicality to him yeah yeah and he had just an it's an understanding of speech it's your voice is a is a musical instrument you know you forget it's a big fucking shitty flesh covered slide whistle mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and you can use it in some way and i realize that when i go on stage there are times where i really use it to a point where i just overdo where people are like oh my god i don't know why i'm laughing i'm like because i'm doing this stupid thing with my voice uh -huh. And there are times where I do straight stand-up where I'm like, why aren't I doing any of that shit? Because that would save my ass right now. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it's it's one of your options. Louis C.K. has a booming just baritone that just punches through, and he has a bunch of, and he gets quiet, and he gets loud, and he, gets yeah. quiet, and he has, like, it's all music, you mm -hmm. know? It's the staccatos. It's the starts and stops. It's the, um, you know, uh, it's every single kind of musical dictation you're allowed to use. You can yeah. do anything. You can go forte, mezzo forte, right? Piano, quiet. You can. I remember hearing stories just about quiet, just being quiet on the microphone, mm -hmm. of like a an old club in Boston that was like a sports bar and they had a shitty old TV in the back. And this must have been the early '80s or something like that. And every single comic that went up that night was trying to compete with the sound that was happening there was a game on they wouldn't turn the game off okay. there were people talking to each other and each comic was going so and just like screaming up above the microphone and one guy went up there and just went the other way and he started going i went uh, i went to the store the other day and, uh, and everyone kind of put down their drink like what do you sh hold on what's that guy said and they everybody just naturally just the psychology of the room because they couldn't hear what he was saying, uh -huh. they all leaned in and they heard. And that guy, that was Stephen Wright, I guess. Of course. Of course. So, uh, but that's just such a great way to get someone's attention. All of a sudden, you're, mm -hmm. you're as quiet as you possibly can be. And now you're interesting. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You were so disinteresting, screaming and, and trying to jump around and get someone's attention. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're interesting because nobody can hear a fucking thing you're saying. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, I, I, I always think that I understand the musicality of it, but I'm realizing more that I'm... The more I do this, and the more musicians I speak to, actually, is that I am more of a word-choice person. I understand that better. Right. I understand rhythm 
uh, just sort of instinctively without thinking about it. It's one of those things where if you, you know, some, some comedians don't like to break down. Actually, that's something I want to talk to you about is yeah. the math of music and breaking it down. Yeah. It's cool to talk about with other musicians. Am I wrong? Like, you can talk right. about that shit. To but, a degree. I mean, you get into, you get into, so, there's, the cool thing is when you happen upon a like-minded musician, mm-hmm. You will never run out of shit to talk about yeah. because there's a, there are a million things. I mean, look in this room with all the guitars. For every single thing that makes that guitar go, every single mm-hmm. thing that makes this amp go, mm-hmm. these nerd musicians, myself included, everything that's in this drawer filled with guitar pedals and yeah. every one of these cables that's just, and every one of these amps, all these things, you can talk about them endlessly yeah. because it's a never-ending subject because there are so many different variations of one thing, yeah. and. Um, and then you can talk about odd time signature and all that stuff and weird, stupid shit that, like, what was Frank Zappa doing with the Black Page and all this kind of stuff? Um, regular people that aren't musicians will get bored because you're basically trying to... It's like trying to do a theorem in front of them. And it's I guess. Not, not as exciting. Unless you can find the humanity underneath it. And sometimes <laughs> you can. Yeah. You know? Right. But I will say this. Actually, remind me of... a. Just the mu- the musicality of the human voice, because Steve Martin definitely has it. Like, excuse me, excuse me. You could play that on a slide trombone. You could play it on a guitar. <laughs> yeah. You could play that. Yeah. You could play that as a lick, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a cool experiment that uh, Steve Vai, who played with Frank Zappa, who's mm-hmm. now like a famous rock and roll guitar player, and um, I've gotten to know over the years. He um, he did a on. There was a song called Jazz Discharge Party Hats on a Frank Zappa album called Man from Utopia. And um, and on this piece of music, it's just the band is just doing like a... And it's just this kind of walking bass line, crazy thing that's kind of going nowhere. And meanwhile, Frank Zappa's telling this story about these crazy girls that they met somewhere in, uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. And, uh, and then, so they record that and then... Steve I would do this stuff where he would make his guitar sound like it was talking. He would hit notes that the human voice would sound, and it would sound like, oh, that sounds like like the kind of like the teacher from the Peanuts kind of a thing, okay, like you yeah. know, the flange trumpet thing. But he would, he, but so Frank Zappa said, take this piece of music and take my entire like two and a half minute improv improvised story and do that, double it with guitar. Shit. And so Steve I did it, and it was really, really interesting sounding. Oh, my God. It meant that basically every single thing that we say and how we say it can be duplicated on an instrument. So, mm-hmm. our, so it really is. So human speech was actually kind of not. So what happens is you put out these records, and then you put out the music books because there are all these music nerds, and they, he had to transcribe the whole insane. So it just goes to show that it can be done. And there, there are really weird things that I noticed... Steve, I mean, uh, Frank Zappa, I think there's a crossover in vocal contour between Frank Zappa and Steve Martin, too. Really? There's a weird thing where I think they, they use same kind of speech contours. Okay. Or maybe Frank Zappa was watching a lot of Steve Martin in the late oh, 70s, yeah. and he was doing these kinds of things. Right. Like, those kinds of, you know, again, just him fucking around with a certain kind of thing and just making that a Steve Martin thing. You That would be a Steve Martin impression from, you know, if I said, hey, well, you know, like, mm-hmm. if I tried to do what I just did, like, that... Like what he does in uh, uh, Excuse Me, like that kind yeah, of excuse yeah. me kind of thing and speaking from the back of his throat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going on and on. No, it's fine. Le- uh, but my whole point was that a lot of yeah. people crap on getting that technical about comedy and I think 
I don't know. I because maybe because there is no physical instrument. Maybe there is no sheet music for it. It's, right. it's a very different animal. But well, yeah. people do get a little bored with it. I try and t- you know I well, try and find those people. Who yeah. Don't. No. Com- I mean, comedy nerddom's fun. I mean, if you. I, I think it's the same with music, too. You find some people who don't want to talk about it. They just want to do it, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's cool. But the truth is that those guys that are really good at doing high-level, crazy, good improvisational music, mm-hmm. have they've logged the hours at some point. Right. They don't want to keep on logging. I mean, they're like, yeah, I went to school. I'm mm-hmm. out of it. Now I just play. Yeah. I can see that people divide their lives into those kinds of for chapters. Sure, for sure, And people don't want to keep on, like, staying in school and going, no, 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 one more year. I'm going to yeah. keep on... Gonna, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep on studying this thing. But it's it's fun, and it's good, I think, for me, who has a, a thumb in a couple different pies, you know, with, like, comedy and music and the TV and all that stuff. It's nice for me to remind myself what I love about and what got me there in the first place. And yeah. one of the things that got me in comedy in the first place was Steve Martin on yeah. this record. So, And that showed me, oh, this guy's half brilliant musician and half comic, and he's only shown me the tip of the iceberg of the music part, which I guess he's doing differently now. I think yeah. he's going on tour mm-hmm. and doing tons of stuff. And um, I saw a little clip of him on a banjo documentary with like uh, some other great banjo players just talking about the history of banjo like on iTunes. Uh-huh. I just bought it because I knew he was on it. Yeah. And um, I wanted more of him. He narrated it, but I wanted I wanted just to hear his, because I'm sure he's got a lot to say. It's just I about like fuck it. comedy. I'm talking about banjo, and yep. that's it. Yep. And I would love to hear how far he could go and what he's discovered along the way, because I'm sure he's discovered stuff that other people haven't. Because he's got a, an ideology and a, yeah. a way of just uncovering things and discovering shit. You know that makes, that makes him unique. Do you have a diff- Do you have a favorite track on this album, or is it? Well, let me see. Let me take a it's look. It's hard because it's one of my favorite. I mean, Mad at My Mother was one of the things that I thought was really, really, really great. Uh, I was so stupid. I'm mad at my mother because she wants money for food. <laughs> but that's also that con. That's all musical. That is so stupid. Yeah, uh, I I really love one way to leave your lover. That is one of my favorites. Oh yeah. I mean, I can yeah, do that, but I'm not gonna do it. But it's one of my favorite bits of all. <laughs> yeah, it's just the one where. You... Uh, just... I guess I'm kind of thinking about my old girlfriend. You know what I mean? <laughs> By the way, starting, I mean, not to overanalyze him, because uh-huh. he'll go like, my mom wants nothing for food, and it's clear that he's doing a stupid character within yeah. a character within a character, and he's acting like such an asshole, you can't get mad at this guy, you know he's joking, he doesn't feel this way about his mother, and then he goes into a, as a very serious, hey, I just gotta talk to you guys about yeah. something. Like, <laughs> like, he just cuts the, he gets intimate with the audience for mm-hmm. a second, that's how that whole thing starts, you go back to the rest. serious all of a sudden. Nah, it's just... I guess I'm kind of thinking about my old girlfriend, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, we were together about three years, and uh, sometimes when I get on stage, I kind of think about her because, uh, you know, she'd travel with me, and then I'd be up here performing, and I could hear her laugh, you know. And, uh, kind of meant something to me, I guess. <sighs> I guess I kind of miss her. <laughs> and... Uh, She's not living anymore. So. <laughs> you think that's funny? Isn't it? I guess I kind of blame myself for her death. Um, we were at a party one night, and uh, we weren't getting along. We were fighting, and she began to drink. 
and she ran out to the car. I followed her out, and I guess I didn't realize how much she'd been drinking. She asked me to drive her home, and I refused. We argued a little bit further. She asked me once again, would you please drive me home? I didn't want to, so I shot her. <laughs> <laughs> That is really stupid. There's like not even a joke in there. It's nope. just like a, it's just him lying and yep. acting like an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he could have, dra- but he could have dragged out and so he shot her, but he doesn't. He just bop, bop, He just keeps bop. moving. Yeah. So, so this is a classic. I think. I think this one was. This is a great song because this makes no fucking sense, <laughs> and I love that. That's just kind of like part of what he was going for. Is just I don't care. I don't care if this me- means anything. I'm just gonna be incredibly stupid, and I fucking love that about him. You know, folks, um, when I was a kid, I was very close to my grandmother. And um, she used to sing a song to me when I was just so high, and it's always meant something to me. And I'd like to do it for you right now, because it does have meaning in today's world. Even uh, all these years, you know, this, even during the hip drug days, you know, when everybody was supposed to be so cool and everything had double meanings. And this, this little simple tune would keep coming back to me, and I think it kind of guided me through those years. And uh, I'd like to do this song for you right now. I think it uh, might have a little meaning for you. Too. Be courteous, kind, and forgiving. Be gentle and peaceful each day. Be warm and human and grateful. And have a good thing to say. Be thoughtful and trustful and childlike. Be witty and happy and wise. Be honest and love all your neighbors. Be obsequious, purple and clairvoyant. Be pompous, obese, and eat cactus. Be dull and boring and omnipresent. Criticize things you don't know about. Be oblong and have your knees removed. Be tasteless, rude, and offensive. Live in a swamp and be three-dimensional. Put a live chicken in your underwear. Get all excited and go to a yawning festival. Okay, everybody. Be courteous, cut. That's uh, that's just that's just like um, appealing to a child that lives inside of you. Uh-huh. You know, that is a really funny, fucking great song. And you're just you're waiting. He does such a great job timing and waiting. You're waiting. Okay, where's the where's the joke? Where's the joke? And the joke is so obsequious purple and clairvoyant is the first joke and you're like that makes no fucking sense and it's not just it's not a dick joke it's not nope a sexual joke it's just really silly and uh-huh. just makes obsequious purple and clairvoyant he's like one of the like it, it was this weird post vaudeville thing where the, he couldn't have done actual vaudeville but he still clearly loved it where it's not a right thing we could we'll never be able to have seen actual live of vaudeville so our springboard is totally different but he still had that yeah, he did. Well, he, you know, the way that he talks to an audience and the way that he kind of strums along and talks is is like that of a musician. Of, mm-hmm. and that happened a lot too, where uh, uh, folk musicians started kind of yep. like telling jokes in between. Now that's Jonathan Katz's story, mm-hmm. because I guess when I asked him about like how did you, how did this whole thing start, mm-hmm. um, I don't even know if I asked him. Maybe I was around when he was telling somebody else. 
but I like I, I like to take credit for it, <laughs> even if it's not true. Um, but uh, he would just go out, and he was a sing a folk singer and really? songwriter. Yeah, and he used to mind. call himself uh, the White Paul Simon. This <laughs> is really good. Um, but uh, but he would go and uh, he would do stuff, and he realized that he wasn't he stopped. He wasn't playing as much music. He was just talking the whole time, and <laughs> just saying so all good. these absurdly silly things. And he kind of had that strange, you know, that that very kind of well-known patter, almost like you know when Bruce Springsteen goes up there and strums a couple of song mm -hmm. uh, chords and talks about a couple of years ago, I met a man. <laughs> I went up to him, and I, you know, you you know that there's this there's more story coming. Yes. And yes. Go on, please. There's something interesting going on here. And he has us right where he wants us. And that's a long-winded setup to some of that stuff, uh -huh. you know. But we're totally engaged and we're totally interesting, interested in, in what he's saying, so it's okay. Yeah. Even the story with a girlfriend, you know. <laughs> he's got us from doing something really loud and bombastic, probably. I want to know what the track is before that. Oh, smoking. Oh, not too many people smoking out here tonight. That's pretty good. <laughs> Kind of bothers some people. If you're in a sleazy place like this and people start smoking, you know, it doesn't bother me in a nightclub because I'm used to it. If I'm in a restaurant though, and I'm eating and someone says... This, I think, goes to a pretty bombastic place at the end, mm -hmm. smoking. Um, but, uh, but that's another great thing that I think a good comic can well, do. Anyway, uh... <laughs> a good comic can do is um, have a have a good kind of louds and quiets have them balanced out mm -hmm. i mean i don't think i don't think we look at our sets this way that we look at like a, a comedy record and maybe we should you know mm -hmm. um but uh but him going loud and then because I, I noticed that because i watched the 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 homage to steve i guess that's how he says it on the on the special mm -hmm. i think it says homage to steve yeah um uh but he gets really loud and all that stuff and he goes can i tell you guys this thing <laughs> I'm just going to say something. I just don't think, you know. And he starts being that kind of, like, snotty kind of artist who isn't getting shit the way he wants it. Right. And then he goes into excuse me or whatever it is. When he asks for a spotlight or something like that, I think mm -hmm. he does that. And nobody does anything. Can I just get a spotlight, please? Okay. All right. You know, I think in a place like this, you could probably get a guy to, like, he starts getting angry at the guy <laughs> who's right. not there. And then he says... And then he does this big excuse me blowout, which is <laughs> mm -hmm. so stupid. I really, you know, I've I've never seen like. Uh, I don't even know if that's on this record. I, I, I don't know if it's on that one or the next one. Yeah. Uh, shit. I'm trying to think. I should know this record more intimately. Well, it's okay. But it's right here. It's I can like, always just play the whole you, thing. You can always play the whole thing, and it, yeah. does, it doesn't. That's that's one of the funny things though. Is like if I bring somebody on and talk about it, half the time, and it's just like I am. It's like. Oh wait, I forgot this track. Or, oh my god, you re you can still rediscover it even if you heard it a million times. And I've listened to this album right. on repeat, probably you know, rotating yeah. three or four times a day. Yeah. I'm sure. You know, I they kind of blend into one another, which is not not horrible. But he, he opens up with this. Big intro. And he comes out with his banjo.
And then you just start fucking around. Ramble out to the different times score. And a car get a hotel. Oh, yes, 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 Come on, sing with me, Rumbling Gun. What's the matter? You people up tired or something? Okay, ladies only, he's a Rumbling Guy. Okay, now the men. Okay, this half of the room. Okay, now this half. Beautiful. There's two fifths of the room, now there's three fifths. Okay, two sevens, five sevens. Okay. In Chinese now. Wows them all. It. He doesn't. He's not even trying throughout it. He's fucking up throughout it. But then yeah. Again, oh, this like, song oh, is just way, like gar- he just he shits on the the idea that he's doing music the <laughs> second he starts playing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty funny because he's that good. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, that's that's that uh, that made me want to learn how to play banjo. You mm-hmm. know, um, which I kind of did. <laughs> really? <laughs> not okay. as much as guitarists made me want to learn how to play guitar. Right. But I but I do have like I mean now I can do some of that stuff. Really? Yeah. See that yeah. shit blows my. I'm mind. glad I don't have one here to prove that I suck. Yeah, well. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, if I, I, I think I, I've done it. I've recorded tracks with banjos and uh-huh. stuff like that before, even on home movie stuff and and metalocalypse. But it's it's nice to have an extra instrument around to make some extra noise on a track. But nothing like that. Not yet. I think I, I think I'll be able to do it one of these days. It's it's. I don't know why it's so impressive. I, I you know, I can barely play guitar, so it, it's one of those things where I get blown away no matter what anybody does. But it's right. It is a very specific. I mean, I guess it's. You know what? It's when people like you who can play guitar the way you do are like, yeah, the, 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 anybody who can play the banjo is, you know. Right. Well, no, I don't think it's more difficult. It's just it. It's a. You can't treat it like a guitar. You sure. have to treat it differently. That's the problem. I mean, even though the three middle strings are tuned exactly the same as mm-hmm. the banjo. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another string here and another one there oh. that don't make any sense with how the guitar is tuned. Mm-hmm. So you have to think of it. Like a different instrument, and the way that you, the way that it makes sound, that percussive sound, that mm-hmm. kind of just punchy, yeah, that clicky kind of attack, that's just you're listening to him play stuff, and I'm like, oh, he's, his hand's probably not really moving from this position too much, but mm-hmm. the fact that all these strings are so close together and these notes are kind of ringing Ooh, into one right, another and okay. stuff, there's all this cool stuff that's going on with the banjo that just doesn't happen with the guitar, and the way that it, it the resonates, you know. Has it always been natural for you or okay with you to be like, well, you know, I can play metal, I like metal, but it's still okay for me to make fun of metal, like, in a way? Um, you know, okay? the, the truth is that, I, yeah, I think, I think you're allowed to make fun of shit you really like a lot, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if you only made fun of shit you hated, then you, you, you wouldn't have that, you would have no material, yeah, you know? Exactly. If you know uh, your world pretty intimately and have a strong affection for it, um, I think you're going to have you know, years and seasons of, of show. And uh, within that, you can get even more specific and even more specific. And um, there's so many cool things to study about 
metal and then and then all rock guitar and all mm-hmm. guitar playing or whatever. I mean, I grew up learning how to play rock and metal and mm-hmm. whatever and and I like nerdy really nerdy fusion stuff and I get I get into like lots of nerd stuff and jazz stuff too. Yeah. But um I don't restrict my listening to metal at all. Sure. If there's a cool new record, I'm all over it. But it's just like any kind of like normal music. It's that doesn't happen that often, yeah. you know. There's yeah. like a couple uh dudes that put out great records consistently and then every once in a while somebody surprises you and you're like hey that's pretty fucking great yeah but uh even in indie rock or whatever it is you're sitting there like come on somebody give me anything i'm sitting here i'm I'm gonna buy a record if it's any good i will buy it please Mm -hmm. make make more than a like a part of a song cool right you know yeah but i think i think you're you should um you should uh you know that's what satire is is um you know, you have to find a landscape that you're pretty intimate with mm-hmm. that you really feel okay with uh, poking fun at, you know? Yeah. I saw the movie, um, I think I was like maybe a few years into Metalocalypse, and then I saw the movie Black Dynamite. Uh-huh. And um, and coincidentally, they ended up doing a show at the same animation place oh, yeah, right. for Adult Swim. And when I saw that movie, I was blown away because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, here's a group of people who love this black exploitation yes. thing. Yeah. And they have an intimate knowledge of I mean every single stitch of that thing is just filled with love for that genre. Yes. You know, and they are sh- they're also sh- it's a fantastic combination of just taking the piss out of it mm-hmm. and completely um adoring it and mm-hmm. putting it on a pedestal. Yep. And that movie I thought was such a great way to uh to do that spinal tap does it too i don't think they're saying rock and roll is stupid no i think they're yeah. saying that this is kind of a weird business and uh here's a tra- here's a here's a tragic story of, of a band on its way out mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and uh i think if you i've seen shows where they i've seen other kind of projects or other metal things where like people are sending them to me because they're like you like metal i was like nah, yeah i do i like it my i like my own metal right. you know right and uh, and then I'll see some projects where I'll go, oh, they're kind of dumbing it down, or they're not mm-hmm. giving it the the amount of love that it needs, because because uh, you, you've got to do that in satire, I think. Yeah, yeah. You, know? you really do. I mean, the fact that I sit and learn how to play metal for twenty something years was a part of. I was like, I'm not worried about how my relationship to to metal and sure. this show's relationship to it, because it's coming from me, mm-hmm. and. I love the music, and I think the the world of rock and I mean, story wise, we pull from anything from, you know, they're exaggerated moments of musical history like Altamont or, yeah, um, you know, like weird uh, drug overdoses or strange shit that's already happened and it had nothing to do with metal nine times out of ten. It just right. happened. And we just put metal around it, and then it looks like metal's this scary big, creepy place. I do wonder though how many people you've pulled back into liking metal or pulled into liking it from not liking it at all because of either yeah. the comedy or the music itself. We've gotten some nice compliments uh, from kids over the years who've gotten into... Well, the other thing that our show does is it gets kids into guitar because mm-hmm. we that was part of the... Uh, that was part of the challenge for me because I've grown up, you know, as a kid watching cartoons and every time there was a guitar, it's not designed right or they're playing <laughs> yeah. it wrong, right. hands in the wrong place. Of they course. just don't give a shit. There's, nobody gives, like... It's it's just the same amount of work to make it look right as it is to make it look wrong, pretty yeah. much. Or maybe there's just a little bit of extra energy, but I think it pays off. So my goal was to, you know, how how many times do you get a TV show, yeah, <laughs> you know, right? just in general, uh-huh. where you, 
where you get an opportunity to, to kind of nail a couple of things, mm-hmm. you know. So, so I thought we may as well play real guitars. We may as well, because I contacted Gibson right when the show was sold, and I said, "Hey, I want to use your guitars. I love Gibsons okay. anyway. Let's put the Flying V on the show. Let's put this Explorer over here, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, and then they gave us the AutoCAD file. So we had like the 3D renderings of everything, and we can just because they're asymmetrical guitars. Some sure. of them are, and they're hard to draw. And we don't want yeah. people fucking them up. Right. So that's awesome. So so then I I did like uh, every time there's a piece of music on the show, which is every episode, sometimes several times per episode. Mm-hmm. I'll do a video tutorial for the animators and show where my hands are and exact. I'll slow it down. I go, so guitar number one, this is the guy on the left. This is the blonde guy. Squizgar is playing this riff. Okay, so guitar two, at this point, you know, the 13 second, he comes in with this thing. So he's got to be doing something else. So I'll give all those. And they'll get it in the ballpark. It's not always perfect. Sure. But, but they put the work in, and it's about right, and they understand what vibrato looks like, you know, mm-hmm. when you're bending notes and all that stuff um and so yeah we've done a lot of we've done a lot of crazy stuff you know that's insane though it's uh, it's you know what i it's uh it's it's, it's insane that people did what i said yeah yeah <laughs> you know that's yeah, pretty that's crazy true. that like uh, i got a whole like people just looking at me with their eyes open i go okay this is what we're doing we're, we're animating guitar solos yeah and i was like okay <laughs> and i'm like no one's telling them otherwise so we're gonna do so that's what we will do well, the cool thing about the show is that so, in between the seasons, I'll put out these records, and I'll go yeah. like do a tour for a little bit of time, and uh, and then we sell sell these tablature books, which are like yeah. you know on guitar tablature, which is like yeah, it has the actual notation of the music, and then it also has the way for us if we don't read music how to play it on guitar. Yeah, dumbasses like myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like most guitar players who don't read music. I can't do it for sure. If you studied it, you could. Sure. <laughs> but and I don't study it at all. And at one point, I could do it horribly, and that was the best, <laughs> the best I could do it. And yeah. it doesn't come up that often. It turns out, yeah. you know. But those sold really well. And then I talked to Gibbs, and I said, "Hey, listen, I want to design a guitar with you guys. In fact, I designed one on the show. What if we made the guitar that I put on the show?" Shit. And they said, "Okay," and they did, and they made that one called the Thunder Horse, which is right there. I'll show you. It's this one right here. So it's a. Uh, it's a silver burst explorer, Jesus. and this is the Death Clock one. And it doesn't even say. I didn't even want to put cartoon character yeah, crap yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just. It's called the Thunder Horse, and that's all it says right there in the Les Paul Fucking font. Awesome. So there's that. Good God. And that did really well. Mm-hmm. And they sold out of them. Shit. And uh, so they built one for Epiphone, which is a cheaper company. Mm-hmm. Um, that still makes really, really great guitars. Sure. You know. And uh, so they made those two, and then we just put out another one. That's this one. This is so one guitarist got one, so the other guitarist had to get one too. And this is called the Snow Falcon. Ooh. And this is a big, cool white flying V. It's, That's amazing. It's really cool. It sounds great. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a good guitar. These are all really good guitars. And they're, they're not cheap, but kids are buying them. Sure. Yeah. This, I mean, the other one was like, I think it was like. I think it listed at like 2300 and I think this one listed at like 15 or something. Uh-huh. But people were like me when I was a kid. You, mm-hmm. you know, you find a way to, uh, if it's important to you, you get a job. Yeah. yeah. And you learn how to manage your finances mm-hmm. because of music and stuff, you know? Well, and, you know, for someone like me, I, I'm just, it's, I don't know, it, it, obviously it's the power of music, but it's, it's awesome to me that something 
funny did that too. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like, that's, well, that's it's, the thing is that's insane. part of the that's part of the comedy is, is part of the comedy is that you take a big portion of it very seriously. Yes. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Of course. And that makes your character stronger, and mm-hmm. the character of the show is stronger if I've got these guitars out there and yeah. if I've got these. Like all this other weird stuff, but that's, that's part of the show. That makes our that so makes good. my show more interesting. If I have a record cover that looks like that, that yes. takes itself dead. There's no jokes. No, no, I, no yeah. jokes, and that is the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the same reason, like you said, like Spinal Tap. The only reason Spinal Tap works so well is those guys are actually up there playing. They're really good oh, at yeah. what they do. Yeah. And they wrote all the songs. They're wonderful singers. And it's, they're 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 great. Their characters have a great story, oh, and they're right. acting through them flawlessly. Yeah. And they're they're showing us things that we may have seen like oh, oh I get it that's the Yoko Ono thing and that is really truly tearing them apart but mm-hmm. the way that that's being played and the way that that camera is sneaking up on people and grabbing these moments is that's why Metalocalypse is about a band that's the biggest entertainment act on earth because I couldn't do another story about a band on its way out right there's right. no they did everything mm-hmm. you can't go back there it's true. They did it too well. Just they just kind of shrugged and went, "Yeah, let's go do this." And they did that one day, and it was the best thing ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's still some of the most amazing, bombastic, stupid comedy with the best subtle comedy that you've ever heard in your life, with some of the best lines you've ever heard that were probably improvised on the spot. Right, right. And then uh, they did such a great job with the music too. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, this is going to be a silly question, but I always ask people to tell if you somehow have never heard of Steve Martin or have never heard him or never heard... Maybe you only know him from his uh, kids' movies. Right. Why listen to this album? Oh, um, that's a good question. I think that's a really good question because I think plenty of people don't know why he's a legend. Right. And there's so many people. That happens all the time with, like, there are kids growing up that don't know why Justin Bieber is popular. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how much time is going by constantly. And nobody understands anything. Um, I think he's the perfect combination of a really smart guy working really hard to be stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think that's a really important part of comedy. Inside of that, there are so many hyper-technical, uh, intricate things that have to happen in order for him to get that incredibly goofy, stupid character who is a selfish asshole, mm-hmm. who's an egomaniac, who where everything's about him. And then he's also a song and dance man yeah. <laughs> on top of that, yeah. you know? Because that's just, it all, you never really kind of deduce what he's doing because he's up there trying to be the ultimate entertainer and he's got a white suit on and he's got the arrow through his head and he's got a, all the things that are quote-unquote funny. And then he, um, then he starts complaining for a while mm. about how things aren't going the right <laughs> way or his mother or, or the... Uh, his mother wants food. <laughs> uh, he talks about how he... Oh, is it on this? I keep forgetting which one it was, but... Buying toys for his cat and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I mean, that's... And then he's talking about getting high, and you can tell he doesn't really get high, and he probably doesn't drink, and he probably doesn't mm-hmm. smoke or any of that stuff. Yeah. He's kind of shitting on all that stuff, too. So you're starting to get a little bit of an angle of what he is and he's a guy that sits in a room and practices and then goes out on stage yeah. and but um why should you listen to this because it really is there there's something that happens i think even on this record where the audience had gotten to Steve Martin like the super big audience had gotten to Steve Martin where they're laughing already at everything he says yeah. and that happens with on a lot of comedy records mm-hmm. where you see like a great comic and it's not like when you see him at a comedy club going like, stay with me, and then let me just try to get through this premise, you know? <laughs> right, right. See if this 
if we wind up anywhere good on the other side. But these guys are already in love with Steve Martin on this record. You can hear it. They Definitely. just love him. The second, I mean, and for really good reason. I remember being a kid and seeing him on one of those specials, and I mean, well, that guy's. I like him a mm-hmm. lot. I yeah. really, I wish I could pal around with that dude. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, but that's there too. His wild popularity has already kind of sunk in. I think even in, in the year of this thing, it doesn't say the year on on the iTunes thing. It says like ninety five or something. I want to say seventy four. I could be. You think off. so? Yeah, around there. I guess he still had a lot bigger of a place to go. But you know what? Um, that audience loved him, and rightly so. He was just a likable presence on stage. The, yeah. And and also a guy who can just... And that's what great comedy is, too, is it can just exist in audio form, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah. Which is what podcasts are showing us, is that right. people really do experience orally some of the most important things they need to experience. We don't mm-hmm. need to see a lot of shit in yeah. order to get it, you know? It's true. We need... We need to hear it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's music and that's comedy. We need, to, and sometimes there's great. And on top of that, he is one of the best physical comedians in the world. I yeah. think I really do. I think he's so silly and stupid, and he makes a lot of decisions about what to do with his stupid body. You know, yeah. like even in the jerk and all that stuff. Yeah, but it's really a, a very careful guy who doesn't overthink stuff. That's the thing is about you know all the shit we're talking about mm-hmm. is about nerds analyzing comedy. Yeah. And there's a point where you have to back off and go, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to go out there and take a chance. Exactly. You know? And that's, he knows when to let up. Yeah. It's fine you to know? pick other people's stuff apart, but if you're doing it yourself, you need to just... Well, I mean, well, for example, I'm sure, maybe I'm not certain, but what I would believe that the the origin of the of the, the song, uh, the Ramblin' Guy song, mm-hmm. the top is him, and I'm sure he prepared a song, and at one point he said, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to sing, and I'm going to sing this Ramblin' song, and it's going to be like a song, a good song to start the thing. And uh, I'm sure he kept truncating it and changing it and right. just kind of saying, fuck you to this song. I don't need to do a whole song. I'm not, mm-hmm. not going to do I'm going to go out there, I'm going to fuck around, and they'll get the idea. And the truth is that we do get the idea. Yeah. He shows us the waves of what, ah, this side of the road, okay, you great, okay, this side of the road, okay, great. <laughs> no one has a chance to respond to anything he's saying, which is great. We get it. Yeah, we don't want to have to be put through these stupid like wrangled like children mm-hmm. just get us through this thing and it's funnier that way so I, I don't know if that's a good enough reason great, why yeah, a guy should go and see it is like listen to this he's a, he's a fucking legend and if you just are being told that and don't know why here's how to find out you know? it's a funny form of comedy that I don't think a lot of people were doing beforehand because you had a lot of different people out there because who was out there at the same time you had um Carlin, sure, Pryor, Pryor, and these guys were all monsters. They Bill were huge. Cosby. Bill Cosby, gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, then you had like uh, they weren't acts in the same. You way. had like uh, what's that? They weren't acts in the same way. They were comedians. They were well, just they, like I'm they were talking. wordsmiths, and they yeah. were they were social commentators, and they were all kinds of different. Like, and you've got people just kind of like trying to figure out the logic of the world, and you've got those kinds of comedians who are just like confused and angry with their place and all yeah. all that kind of stuff and then yeah. Bill Cosby who's uh I don't even know I don't even know how I would categorize Bill Cosby because he's changed over the years sure nowadays he's he's a his character is kind of a he is enslaved by his family yeah, in a yeah. way <laughs> like uh, he is he is his wife's stupid dolt who is he is not right about it. it's really funny he yeah. plays that part yeah. perfectly from beginning to end it's just like perfect like just dis- disperse this character perfectly over this hour and a half show mm-hmm. 
And then Steve Martin is just like he's he's what I love. He's also why I love um, the Marx Brothers, which is it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. And it's nonsense with these guys with stupid smiles on their faces. And then you get a you get them around a musical instrument, mm-hmm. and they will fucking shred your head off yeah. because they're so they're virtuosos. Yeah. And that's another thing is Marx Brothers. I remember my mother showing me a Marx Brothers movie that was on like a Sunday afternoon. She goes, oh, you probably want to check this out. And I was like, okay, what's this? And I saw Harpo, who he had, oh. forget which one it was, but he knocked over a piano and inside of the piano was basically the makings so of good. a harp. And, uh, which yeah. isn't what's inside of a piano. Yeah, yeah. But he started playing the harp and I was like, wait a minute. And I was like, it looks like he's doing that. Like, <laughs> right. It looks like he's doing that live. Yeah, it's not a It game. may or may not, but he may be such a good mimic. Either way, he has the goods. He's got the technique, and uh-huh. the, and the sounds that I'm hearing are sounds that I don't hear because I don't hear people play harp. Yeah. And then Chico playing the piano oh. is is insane. He's amazing. He's so good that he had to make a game out of it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and Groucho plays a little jazz guitar. <laughs> <laughs> he's no like a. He's not doing anything too crazy. He's not. He hasn't gotten to the Django Reinhardt stage of playing, unless he does that off camera. Right, right, right. But um, <laughs> yeah, but that's the kind of stuff I also was blown away by is is that, and I see that in in Steve Martin, and Steve Martin is just a one man machine too, because he can write and he can direct mm-hmm. if he wants to, and he can write these plays and do all kinds of stuff. It's upsetting, and I think it's really cool. I get excited when I see. Well, he's. I get excited when I see a guy at his age right now doing what I think would be the cool thing to do, which is go out and play music and have fun. Yep. Woody Allen went through that stage too, right? Where, uh, which I watch like a couple times a year because I think it's yeah. really interesting. Is the uh, Wild Man Blues, uh-huh. which is the when he goes to Europe and and tours with his Dixieland band mm-hmm. and uh, forces people to listen to Dixieland <laughs> when they just want to hang out with Woody Allen, <laughs> which is really funny. Because Dixieland does. Does go on for a while. It does, yeah. And I'm a fan of music, but I can just, I can honestly say, okay, I get it. You're all doing arpeggios over the chords. Okay, okay, where's this going? Let's wrap it up. Um, but bluegrass, I think, has a lot of chordal texture and really cool stuff, and it's cool to see. Uh, you can even hear that in, in uh, the intro. He does like some really cool turnaround inside mm-hmm. of it. It's like, oh, that's a really cool thing that's not of that key. He he messed around and kind of reharmonized a couple chords, but. Um, but yeah, but to to see him in his in his older years, uh, probably be just funny enough to get through the night. Yeah, yeah. But also probably wow people. Like he can probably hold me for an hour, like a maybe a fifty minute hour mm-hmm. of just banjo playing. I'm oh, sure. I you know. I don't doubt. Because that's something I don't think you get. That's just a. It's in order to play banjo the bluegrass style you have to get it up to that tempo mm-hmm. and that tempo gets something going inside of you right you know what i mean mm-hmm. so uh not everything is like oh hey <laughs> meanwhile woody allen this is the music you play when somebody dies <laughs> kind of a happy sad new orleans style funeral you know <laughs> yeah like and then there's a screaming trumpet and a guy with a plunger still trying to get some sh- toilet paper out of one of his trombones um yeah uh those are the those are the cool stories because that's what, wouldn't that be the cool way to like guys like him and it's amazing that Steve Martin that's the other thing is you're not going to see Steve Martin do stand up again no no nope. Bill Cosby is an anomaly it turns out not all comics are doing this you know right. yeah and some people are realizing you can do stand up for as long as you have a relationship with it you know yep 
And it's kind of a cool thing because as long as your brain is still working, because I saw Don Rickles three years ago. Mm -hmm. He was like 82, four years ago. And he was fucking funny as shit. I bet. And his brain was working and it was great. And I was like, wow. So that's, you can do that. Mm -hmm. You can keep doing that. Some of my favorite guitarists, actually it's not, Jeff Beck, who's playing some of his best guitar in his 60s. Really? uh, Though he just canceled a tour. (laughs) And he's 70 now. But uh, I'm sure he'll get through it because, because I think he'll. I, I think that's physically possible. I'm sure he has like a. I don't, what do I know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, comedy and music. I think you can keep doing if you're like a shot putter or, <laughs> right. or if you're a rugby player. I don't think I think you're or or, or you're getting by on your looks in some way. Yes. Your time is limited. But if you're a musician or a comedian. Uh, the weirder looking, the better sometimes. Yep. But as long as you can keep your, you know, keep your muscles loose and practice enough a day to keep your your shit together and keep going up in front of crowds because you that's a muscle too. Yeah, you know. There's some people who would be screwed if that wasn't the case. I mean, Rodney Dangerfield getting a start in his fifties. I mean, he would right. be fucked if you couldn't keep doing it. Yeah, you know, he got people... funnier as he got older. Funnier looking too, you know. Was... How old was Phyllis Diller when she started stand up? Yeah, she was like I... in her don't know late she, 40s or something like was, that she was quite old yeah then, but she is she rode that wave yeah that's the way that's what you do it mm-hmm. yeah but um but steve martin's not doing it no. <laughs> i guess that's my point yeah that's the long way i'm taking the long way to say something <laughs> today steve martin's not doing it and that's why you need to listen to this record too because you can find out how fucking funny he was when he wanted to be funny mm-hmm. i mean that's kind of a choice it's funny he went through that tra- uh, career tra- trajectory where He's like, oh, I'm sick of being a clown. I don't want to be a clown anymore. Mm-hmm. Back off. Leave yeah. me alone. Let me just be a person. Mm-hmm. Let me be in a couple serious movies and let me just do something else. What does he need to prove? He's right. funny. Yeah. No, he's good to go. I, that's what it's always seemed like to me. He's like, uh, well, I did this well. Let's see if I can do this well. Yep, I'm really great at films too. Yeah. You know, like I'm really great at acting in films. Okay, mm-hmm. great. I'm going to make a few. Oh, I'm really great at that too. <laughs> make some successful plays. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those then, seem to do well. People liked him. They're interesting and romantic, and mm-hmm. you know he's gotten uh, he's in touch with himself. And then uh, yeah, now what do you do? Yeah, play banjo. Exactly. Play banjo right into your coffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It seems like that's his, his that's his retirement plan. That's his payments. Like, nope, this is what I've earned. He's got a lot of interest too. I mean, I guess a lot of great artists do have other interests, but he's got a lot of interests that aren't just that have nothing to do. And it's nice to have that, to have, like, um, an interest that has nothing to do with the field that you're in. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. I think he's got that, and that probably keeps him fresh. And the fact that he loves uh, art, and and he likes acquiring art, and he likes, yeah, and yeah. he's very knowledgeable of that stuff, um, that has very little to do with comedy. It has very little to do with banjo. So it's, that's why I like music, because it has nothing to do with me being stuck in a story problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. writing a script. Uh, and that's why I like stand-up because I don't have to bring an amp and a guitar with me yeah. <laughs> to yeah. go and, and entertain people, you know? It's nice to... Uh, it's nice to do... Uh, and the way I look at this is the way that my career works is that if I'm a... Um, if, if I'm... I'm probably one of the better guitarists in comedy. Mm-hmm. I don't know who can... I don't know who can beat me, really. Uh-huh. I don't know who it is. I mean, I, I think I've got better chops. I probably have... Uh, I could probably play over changes a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And in the 
world of death metal, I'm probably one of the funnier guys. Right. <laughs> so as long as I'm not in the in, in the field that I'm in, yeah. then I seem like a, like a big shot. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm like with another gu- guitarist who's great, I'm a piece of garbage. <laughs> I'm a shitty piece of garbage. And if I'm in, you know, if I'm like, oh, I'm standing next to like really fucking great comedy people who are just really funny, then I'm a very mediocre person. <laughs> But as long as I'm not where I'm supposed to be, I'm in really good shape. <laughs> it's nice to be a savant in something, though. Yeah, it's, again, I'm a savant as long as I'm not <laughs> hanging out with a bunch of other savants. You know, I have to move to a place where everyone's like, wow, I've never seen people play guitar like that. You, you should have seen these fucking assholes I was hanging out with this weekend. They were so good mm-hmm. that they make me want to not play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you saw them next to me, you'd go, oh, it's nice that you dabble. <laughs> you know, that's really cute. Oh, I mean, again, uh, that that wraps it that wraps it around to how Steve Martin talks about his own banjo playing. He doesn't think he's good. He's, he always says that. Well, yeah, I think you know what I think. Uh, let's say that I got five times or ten times better than I was at guitar. Mm-hmm. I would find something to complain about. You know, yeah. because that's the great thing about guitar. You can never stop learning it. Right. And with comedy, maybe Steve Martin maybe showed us there's only a certain place you can get to before mm-hmm. you're like. What else can I do? Right. Stadiums? Mm-hmm. What else can I no, do? Exactly. You know? Exactly. What else is it going to be? I have to go. And then he got to a point where he was, they're just laughing at anything, and he's just like, I don't even know if this shit's fucking funny. I yeah. think they're just, they're infected. There's an influenza of my cadence or whatever hitting yeah. them. And yeah. So there you go. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I think you've wrapped it up. I think I, I. I don't know what else I can say. I, I, I've I, said a lot. You have. Yeah. That's good. That's solid. I've said a lot. You've said a lot of good things. Yeah. Um, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. And yeah. uh, thank you for being here in your own place. Um, I appreciate. Thank you for it. having me here in my own place. Um, and everybody, thank you for listening. And yes, as, thank you for listening. As always, have a good thing. Uh, yeah, have a, yeah. Enjoy some Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. Bye. You get the last word, not me. <laughs> no, it's fine. Have it. Go ahead. Say something. Hi. <laughs> Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com.